Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. It's amazing that when this church was founded and built, it was with the idea of gathering folks just like us to grow as family. Uh, We actually built the church in such a way as to have space for more people to come as if we built it for those who were not yet here. Part of a family that God has in mind. So it's wonderful for us as even we assemble and think of that idea to know that we have a heavenly Father who is present with us, around whom we gather, and who knows his children one by one, And those who, through those children, he wants to gather and assemble and bring into his family. It's a profound thing to even talk about ourselves as a family, and even more profound to speak of God as our Heavenly Father, our Father God. Amazingly, Jesus, in teaching us how to pray. I mean, the one question that was asked and led to his giving us what we now call the Lord's Prayer, because the Lord taught us to pray it. Teach us to pray. And how does that prayer begin? Father. Our Father. Let's bow our heads and talk to our Father right now his gathered family. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for being our Father and for everything that comes with calling you Father, that we become your children, adopted children, that we have a home together with you, a heavenly home with a heavenly Father, and one day to be in that heavenly family with you. And right now as family here, your family, we pray that you would move amongst us. Take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, our scripture this morning, Ephesians chapter 3, and beginning at verse 14, begins with a profundity that is a profound truth 
a profound statement that will take hours to unfold and to grasp with all that is included in the very thought as it's expressed here. Listen to these words. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, capital F, that is our Father in heaven. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Just to call God Father in the first place is a distinctive of our whole Judeo-Christian heritage. There is no other religious foundation, any other religious track, any other world religion that calls God Father, that we could be his intimate children. We take it for granted. We call him Father. We call him our Father, our Heavenly Father, our Father God. It is absolutely radically revolutionary to call Almighty God Father in the light of the world scene and the world's religions. It's a standalone concept and it's rooted and grounded in the very fact that God, the author and creator of humankind, fathered us. And when it says here of his being the one after whom all the families of this world are named, let me read it to you. I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. The very concept of fatherhood, of God being father, not because he was the creator in the first place, but because of who he created us to be, his intimate children, that we could call him father. I want to take you to uh, Memphis some years ago where I was preparing myself and the church in Memphis, the church across the city of Memphis, all denominations, African-American, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, Roman Catholic, the whole church of Memphis for a series of citywide meetings to which I was going to be the speaker, the preacher. And as one of the preparatory meetings, I was to preach in an African-American church, Mississippi Boulevard Church. Memphis is the city from which we brought our senior pastor, Craig Giergo. And I'm speaking about turf where he spent a number of years in ministry. Well, I was down there as a visitor and on a Sunday morning, I was being driven to Mississippi Boulevard Church, an African-American church, to preach there at eight in the morning. 
to introduce me to the African-American community. They wanted to know whether I could preach. They knew I couldn't jump. They wanted to know whether I could preach. And I thought it really unfair to put me in front of a congregation at eight o'clock in the morning. Who's going to be there? Well, as we arrive in the area of that church, already the streets were filled with, with cars. When I went out onto the platform, there was something like 1,500 African-American faces looking back at me. It was absolutely packed. And behind us, as we began worship, was a choir of some 50 high school students, African-American high school students. And when they led worship in singing, I mean, it rocked. They didn't just sing. They had motion. And the congregation was, though not singing with them, really into what they were singing. Well, the, the great anthem before I was to preach was there was this space where the preacher, Dr. Alvin Jackson, introduced me. And because he wasn't the preacher that morning, I was to be the preacher, he gave me the most amazing introduction. He sort of preached it. And as he unfolded enough to give me a relationship to the congregation and why I was there to preach, his closing words were these, the choir is going to sing. And when they are finished, the next voice you will hear is that of our preacher of the morning, the Reverend Dr. John Guest. And I'm sitting there, this sort of little white boy, <laughs> thinking, get me out of here. I mean, this amazing congregation. And then that choir sang again. And it was spectacular. I was moved to tears. And the young lady who was singing, the sort of the leads behind which the choir was backing her up, had this theme. The themes of the, the song, the whole event of that worship at that moment was this. I have a father and I know he cares for me. And that was repeated several times. I have a father and I know he cares for me. I could barely speak. I was so moved. And when the choir was finished, the whole auditorium broke out in this phenomenal praise and applause. And the next voice they were going to hear was my voice. As I stepped up to the microphone and the pulpit, I said, I have a father. And even as I said that, the congregation was coming back at me. Amen. Tell us. Preach it. <laughs>
Well, I said, well, I have a father and I know he cares for me. And then I told them some things that they could never, ever have guessed. That I have a father who committed suicide when I was age seven. Left my mother with three little boys, of which I was the oldest. The youngest was maybe a year old. From that moment on, we were never wealthy, but we had a working dad. And when he was gone, there was nothing. We were in the middle of the Second World War, which is an event so far back now for us as we think about it. But I grew up in that scene of a war-torn Europe, with England being bombed. There were next to no social services available. It was a survival period of our history. My mother, with no income, left with three boys. We were poor. And it's hard to conceive, even as I tell you this, we were so poor, there was no food in the pantry. From time to time, I remember going there to get something to eat, having come home from school, and there was nothing there except a cheese rind. Even as I say that, some of you don't even know what that is. But kind of coating around a large chunk of cheese, and when they cut you a piece and you had your piece of cheese that you purchased at the store, it had a coating around it, which had some cloth in it. It was what the, church, the, the cheese was sealed in. And I would gnaw at that and end up actually eating the cloth and whatever cheese was melded into it. And I don't say this to evoke pity. It was just a reality. We were poor. I remember putting cardboard in my shoes because they were worn through. There was no money to repair them. And so my mother would cut out some cardboard like a sole and put it in there. I couldn't play in the little school soccer team. And I was very athletic because we didn't possess soccer boots. In fact, I remember when my mother first bought me and my brother, Tony, soccer boots. We put them on. It was amazing. Brand new soccer boots but we didn't have a soccer ball. So we went out into the back garden, put down a couple of jackets. My brother was a very good goalkeeper. And I would pretend we both had our soccer boots on, but no ball. So I'd pretend to kick the ball and he'd dive and save it. I'd say, wasn't that a great shot? He said, wasn't that a great save? <laughs> but there was a day this is what I went on to say. When as a young man, I went to hear Dr. Billy Graham speak in London. I was 17 years of age. And that evening, I learned about a God who loved me so much. A heavenly father who sent his son to die on a cross to pay for my sins. And that that son, after they had executed him on the cross, came back to life 
and that I could invite a living Jesus into my life and be born again spiritually, made a new person, a new creation, with the old things passed and done away with and everything made new. And that evening I invited Jesus to come into my life. This is what I'm telling the congregation. And as I went out of that meeting and on my way home, I knew I had a father, a heavenly father, who would never ever leave me, would not disappear, which is what it was like when my father died, would never ever let me go, would hang on to me. The teaching of Jesus, that the father holds us in his hand and will never let us go. A father-son, a father-daughter relationship. To have an intimate relationship like that. Listen to these words from Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship or being a child of mine. So that when we cry, Abba, that's like daddy, father, it is the spirit of himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And that privilege of having a heavenly father is the root of all fatherhood. That's why the statement of Paul bowing the knee to the father from whom all the families on earth are named. That is their character, what a family is meant to be, what a father is meant to be, that our heavenly father is the model father, that he is the source and the resource of our fatherhood. In fact, there is one translation that instead of just saying all the, fa the families of the earth, it speaks about his fatherhood. That fatherliness is rooted and grounded in the one who created us. And so when we honor fathers on a father's day, it is not just because we've got like dads. I know the sentiment. I mean, I love it that we have children and they call me dad. One of our daughters started calling me her dad. You are my dad. And I said to her, I love it that you call me your dad. That personal relationship, I'm not just dad, but her dad. So she sent me a text with a picture of her as a little girl. She's about to become 50. As a little girl wearing a sweater of mine. And she said, I still love wearing your jacket or a sweater of yours when I am cold. And it's the next best thing to having a hug from you. To be a dad. 
But the gravity of being a dad is not just in the humanness of the family situation, but in the divine origin of what a family is and who a father is meant to be with a heavenly father so that all us dads have a father, a heavenly father. And he is the source of our fatherhood and the resource by which we are able to be fathers. Now I'm going to be speaking to two profound principles of that fatherhood and how it's expressed in our family. In any family, if the Lord himself is the one who makes us alive to him, related to him, intimate with him, to call him Father. The first morning I woke up after having asked Christ into my life. I went down the street where I lived, Woodland Avenue in Walthamstow and East London Borough. And what struck me as I went down the street, my first morning of a new life with Jesus in my life, was I am not alone. I have a heavenly Father. It was an overwhelming sense because I had been so lonely for so long, looked for a man in my life to be a dad. From age seven, and that was here, I was 17, 10 years later, going on 18, having discovered a heavenly Father who was intimately involved in my life and to whom I belonged. That was the beginning of the rest of my story, to have a father. Now going back to our verses here in verse 14 and following, Paul is bowing the knee before the father to speak to him, to pray for him, and he talks about what that prayer is. So as he speaks about us being from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, he goes on to say that according to his riches, the riches of his glory, another translation says his glorious riches, same thing, the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, in that inner soul, that inner person and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power with all the saints to know what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And his prayer for these new believers as he knelt before the Father was for this amazing, expansive description of what he longed for for them, that they would be strengthened in their inner soul, their inner person, that they might know the depth of his love, to be rooted and grounded in that love. 
the description of that prayer and how much God is intimately involved in our lives as a heavenly father is in itself, the prayer, a resource describing the ultimate resource of God himself who by the Spirit, the living Spirit of Christ, indwells us and gives us that sense of belonging to him. And us dads need a dad in order that we might be a dad. And we need to pray for our dads, going to that same resource, our Father in heaven. And for all those children who grew up or grow up and are growing up, as I was growing up without a dad, for us to become a dad, to be involved in some other young person's life. I was looking for a dad. I remember one occasion when my mother was ill and my dad was, this wasn't long before he took his life. We were placed into some kind of like orphanage because he had to travel to work. My mother was sick in the hospital and so my brother Tony and I were put in this little orphanage. It's the way I would describe it. So we were schooled there and we lived there and there were some ladies who were really rough on us. I remember the name of one, Miss Nichols. Boy, was she tough. And then one night, we're in bed in a dormitory-like situation, just little boys, when my dad comes. And I knew it was my dad because I could hear his voice and he was shouting at Mrs. Nichols. He said, I don't care what the rules are. I'm taking my children home. And I went over to my brother Tony and said, Dad's here. I can hear his voice. I sort of shook, shook him, woke him up. I said, Dad's here. He's come to get us. And sure enough, my dad had his way, whatever the rules were. He came and got us and took us home. And I can tell you, growing up after I had lost my dad as a little boy, I remember walking along the streets, looking in the faces of men, hoping that one of them would be my father who had come back to rescue me. Like he did that night in that little orphanage. And then to invite Christ into my life, have the Spirit of God give me a new birth so that I then had a heavenly Father, whom I could call Daddy, adopted into his father and that into his family. And that's our privilege. Now, two things. We men are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Our kids need us to love their mothers in the same way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To love, speaking of rooted and grounded in love, that as a dad, therefore as a husband, to love our wives as Christ loves the church and loved the church. Listen to these words later in Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, 
that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, and that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Even so, husbands, love your wives. To lay down your life for your wife as Christ laid down his life for the church. One of the things that is so gratifying sticks in my mind, and my wife has had the same experience, where our children say to us, thank you for loving each other. It becomes a demonstration of Christ in us, the hope of glory. To love as Christ loved the church. I say to couples that I'm speaking to as they're getting married. I said, you want a great marriage? You want to do it God's way. And one of those great principles is to love your wife. I'm saying to the guy, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ laid it all down. He held nothing back. To love our wives sacrificially. The word there, love, is the agape word, which means sacrificial love. It's not the romantic love. It's not the family love. It's a sacrificial love that we lay down our lives for our wives. And everything I've said to you, in principle, is right out of God's word. And my closing appeal to go to the resource by which we know God's plan, God's teaching, God's desire, is to go to his word. My wife and I read God's word together every morning, almost without fail. We did so this morning. In fact, we read this very passage as a kind of a semi-prep to preach it, to be into the word of the Lord. Husbands, You've got to become men of the word. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's Psalm 119, verse 105. Verse 11 of that same Psalm 119. How shall a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed to your word. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You have had as the verse of the year last year, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be dismayed. That's Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. But listen to what verse 8 has to say, the preceding verse. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. This is the Lord speaking to Joshua as a military leader and general. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but shall, you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. I'm going to advertise, in closing, the Life Focus New Testament. They're available as you leave. Wives, buy one for your husband if he doesn't have one. 
by for your married children. It's a daily reading of God's word that takes you through the whole of New Testament and is a way to deal with it. So it's not just spot-checking and finding something to read and hope it's relevant. To read systematically through the New Testament, and every day it takes one verse and teaching about that one verse and that one truth and quotes a great Christian leader from the past on that one verse. For years now, my wife and I have been reading it together. We have a new edition of this with Pastor Craig and myself pictured on the back of it, especially for our church people. Though it's got a much wider range of service beyond here. Would encourage you to go and get one at the table as you leave. Are you reading the Word of God daily? Are you into His Word? It's a major resource. You want to be a good dad? That's what you've got to be. You want a good husband? That's what you've got to read. To be a man of the Word doesn't mean you become a religious freak and some softy, good-for-nothing chap who only sits around reading Bible verses. It's the way to become a man. As it goes on to say, therefore, be strong and very courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. To be a man. To take on those tough tasks. Even to be able to say you're sorry. Even to begin again. Even to be able to pray with your family. Pray with your wife. Spend time with the Father. Before I have a closing prayer, I want you to see on the screen God's word as addressed as a love letter to fathers. The words you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you, and He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter to you. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could. For I am the perfect Father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand. For I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope. Because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore. And I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you. For you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. 
I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son Jesus. For in Jesus my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father. And will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad. Almighty God. O Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Your Son Jesus, like a love letter to the world, Oh God, thank you for calling us your children. Thank you for including us in your family through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Lord, as we consider who you are and what you've done, it's our desire to give ourselves to you. Thank you for the message that Pastor John has shared with us this morning. I think of that image of Pastor John walking through the streets of London, looking into the faces of men, desiring a father. And Lord, I know there are many, even right now, who in a certain sense are in the exact same position wandering about, looking for a father. Oh Lord, I pray that they would consider your love letter to us through Jesus. That they would receive the invitation to become children of God. If that's you. There's a father this morning who sits next to you. Who shows up in your time of need and says, these are my kids. They need to be with me. I pray, Lord, that we would be joyous at the voice of our Father. And we would turn to you. Now, in, in this place and time, 
whether you want to return to this Father on this day or come to Him for the first time, would you make these words your own and say, Oh, Heavenly Father, thank You for Your love. Thank You for the gift of Your Son, Jesus, the very Son of God, Thank you, Lord, for his death on the cross. Thank you for his blood poured out to cover all of our sins. Oh, Lord, we need Jesus. Lord, I need a father. And so I come to you this morning, and I desire to be yours, to be your child. Lord, help us to live in Jesus. We believe in Him. We trust in Him. We're desirous of of being a part of your family. Help us, Lord, to recognize that you are the resource that helps us to live. I pray for fathers especially, that they would live and remain in you. Oh, we have a Father, and He cares for us. Thank you, Lord. We rejoice today. Give praise to you, our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen.